0: Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. You are in tune to another episode of intrinsic motivation from a homies perspective. This is Hamza and really excited about our guest today because I have my learning cap on I believe we're going to learn so much. And so I'm actually just going to read her bio before we get started. And so Carice, like many parents suffered in silence with her child while her children struggled with the symptoms of undiagnosed sleep and breathing issues. One visit to a pediatric dentist changed the trajectory of their lives. Already a registered dental hygienist Carice trained with Sandra Holtzman. Lois Laney and Sarah Hornsby to establish her orofacial myology knowledge. With this initial training and numerous others, in a few short years, she has not only resolved all her children's issues, but helped hundreds of patients, children, and adults alike discover how great life can be functioning on full. Her private practice, the MyoSpot, is now a leader in the quest for myofunctional therapy awareness and public education. Her latest book, Accomplished, delves into how to sleep better, eliminate burnout and execute goals. Carice's mission is to transform and positively impact as many households as possible through dynamic breath, body and brain work. With that said, it sounds like 2020 has been set up specifically for Carice Laguerre. (laughs) <laughs> with that, <laughs> with that? I'd like to welcome Carissa to the podcast. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. 2020 has been a rough year, but sure, I'll claim it.
0: <laughs> claim, name it and claim it. That's the name of it. I mean, how to sleep better. I mean, all the stress happening in 2020, depending on perception. Eliminating burnout after said anxiety. And executing goals despite the opposite of what we're being told on the news every day? (laughs) To me, that sounds like uh, there's a big K in the clouds and you're coming to the rescue.
1: (laughs) Yes, I do feel like, you know, almost in that way, yes, it does very much align with things that we desperately need. It's been such a trying time, and so I'm sure there's plenty of people who are losing sleep, who are definitely not as productive as they could be, so they're not goals. And you know, with all that lost sleep, they're definitely experiencing brain fog and burnout.
0: Well, and we're talking about not being able to sleep and and during the day, which I think we'll get into when you talk about your profession. If you're stressed throughout the day, you're not breathing deeply at all, you're shallow breathing. And there's a lot of jokes on TV about mouth breathing. And so if we're on autopilot, even before 2020, it would, I would think that there's a greater, I don't want to say, uh, there just needs to be more awareness on having a full breath, because it affects your body in your awakened state and your sleep state.
1: A 100%. The sleep state is more of what I focus on because during the day, there's so many techniques and practices that you can do to focus on getting better breath, Um, you know, while you're conscious of it, while you're aware of it, conscious breathing is, like a really phenomenal practice. But when you're asleep, that's when we kind of lose a lot of control over those respiratory centers, um, especially because of the tissues that are involved in the oral cavity. So what I do as a myofunctional therapist is I help to strengthen and coordinate a lot of those tissues because as you lie down to get ready for bed, you'll have a lot of those tissues that will relax and then it will collapse or sometimes completely obstruct your airway so it makes it more difficult to breathe which completely alters your ability to be able to get restorative sleep
0: i like it because uh, a good friend of mine or i guess my girlfriend at the time she had beat me on my chest in the middle of the night many years ago and so before i could call 911 for domestic abuse <laughs> <laughs> She was worried, right? And so she was just saying that I wasn't breathing. And I'm not overweight. I've never been diagnosed overweight even today. And I had because of that incident, I was tested for sleep apnea. And I came home from that test with that CPAP machine, the old Darth Vader is what I used to call it. And prior to getting that device, I just thought that was my lot in life. Like, I was always tired, and what have you. Long story short, that next day, I was so jealous. I was like, this is how regular people feel all day?
1: Yes, exactly. You see, you miss out on so much when you're not breathing properly. And you know, the problem is, is that we're sleeping. We're unconscious of it. We wake up and we feel like we got a good night of rest and it turns out, no, we didn't. And it so much embedded in how you're sleeping and how you're breathing when you're sleeping. So I know you referenced mouth breathing earlier and how, you know, there's a lot of jokes about it, but really and truly, if we're mouth breathing, especially while you're sleeping, you are not oxygenating properly. Our mouth is for eating and our nose is for breathing. And so being able to take full breaths in through your nose and properly Filter that air with the cilia in the nose or that nose hair, or warm it and get it to optimize the nitric oxide in your body is critical if we're going to be able to wake up feeling that wonderful feeling that you never even realized you were missing out on.
0: Oh, absolutely. And so I do want to ask you because I did have something near and dear to me. Uh, a, f- a friend of mine had to go to the hospital yesterday and she's elderly. And so, uh, you know, she had an incident, we didn't know what it was. But when the paramedics came or well, before the paramedics came, we called 911. And we and so they were asking a barrage of questions, one of which is, is she breathing? And we we're like, oh, well, we can't tell. And then I remember from way back of looking at the diaphragm. And so when we saw the diaphragm going up and down, then it gave us a greater sense of, of, of confidence that she was going to be okay. Um, before going to the emergency room. So my question to you is how do you break down or break up the – I know they're all important, but from the mouth to the nose to the diaphragm as it relates to conscious
1: and deep breathing? Love it. So from the mouth, you're going to be engaging a different set of muscles. So you might lightly engage your diaphragm, but you're not going to fully and actively engage it. And you're more likely to take shorter – faster breaths through your mouth because the mouth is unable to do what the nose does. So because it's not normally normally biologic, we're not going to be breathing the same way. So when you're breathing from your mouth, you have more of the chest and shoulder movement where your chest will rise and fall or your shoulders will rise and fall as opposed to your diaphragm. So that's coming from a little lower, like down by the stomach area, your abdominals, that breath should be coming from there and really coming in through the nose, you will activate that diaphragm so much better. That way with every inhalation, you're really filling up your lungs and filling up that belly and then as you're exhaling, it will collapse and you'll get out all of the CO2 that you need to eliminate.
0: Gotcha. And for the older guys, (laughs) from a cosmetic standpoint, we have the nose hair clippers and the ear clippers and what have you how important is it that we do make sure that we shave or trim those nose hairs i mean isn't that hair supposed to filter the uh, oxygen that goes into your body
1: a hundred percent that's there for filtration So, I'm not sure about trimming, you know, the the ear hairs. The ear hairs, that's something totally separate. That's outside of the respiratory system, so I can't comment on that. However, the nose hairs, I would highly suggest not trimming. Now, the more you're able to filter that air, the higher the quality of air, and then you're probably got a better humidifier, nasal humidifier, for that air than the average person who is either trimming or has a smaller amount of that nasal hair. So it's not as appealing, you know, cosmetically. However, you know, what's going to get you from here to age 110 is probably going to be more important than... How you look now?
0: So does it? It sounds like <laughs> you are putting your fashion forward. You guys heard it first that Afro nose hair is back in style.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it has never gone out of style. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm laughing because I mean, after the whole uh, CPAP machine. And it, it was, you know, hiding it under the bed if I had company and things like that. And, and since then, you know, I have, like, I probably have a lot of contraptions. I'm a contraption guy anyway, gadget person. So I'd like to kind of go through some of those with um, um, one thing. Thanks for clearing up the nose hair thing, because when I used the trimmers, I would, it seems like my allergies would flare up, and I would sneeze for, like, the next half of the day. And do I need, you know, sinus Uh, pills or what have you to take care of it. And I notice like if it's getting long, obviously, I don't want it to go down to my lips. But I do notice when I'm trimming (laughs) that it it seems accelerated. So I I, I agree. I thank you for clearing that up. Uh, My next question with that, because you're talking about sleep is the uh, mouth guards. Uh, One of the things with mouth guards when you sleep is it's supposed to curtail any uh, grinding of your teeth, but it should also stop you from snoring. So with that, help in not obstructing your airway by using a mouthpiece?
1: So I love that question because there's layers to it. So there's a part of a myth in there as the mouth guard is supposed to help you to stop with the grinding of the teeth. And that's not actually the purpose of the mouth guard. The mouth guard is actually to stop you from damaging your teeth. So you will still grind while you wear a mouth guard, Um, typically, Most mouth guards need to be replaced at some point in time because we do get worn down. Now, the grinding in and of itself is usually something that comes back to anatomy and, you know, the physiological use of these muscles. So your mandible is really the only free-moving bone or your lower jaw, I should say, with those bottom row of teeth in it for those who aren't sure about the mandible. Uh, That's the only free moving part of your cranium. So the top teeth never move, like that's attached to the rest of your skull. These things aren't moving. That bottom jaw, the fact that it's able to move is going to be what's going to help you if you're using a dental sleep appliance. So there are dental sleep appliances that do sort of look and resemble mouth guards and those move the mandible forward. Similar to how the mandible is moving forward when you're grinding. When you move that mandible forward, it opens up your airway a little more so that you're not getting that collapsing of the airway. So you're able to get your breath in through your nose and it's able to reach your lungs and you can properly oxygenate. That way you can have a restorative night of sleep. However, there's a big difference between mouth guards and those dental sleep appliances. So the sleep appliances are just keeping the jaw forward for you. That way you don't have to grind and you probably will not grind because it's already forward. So the body's not pushing it forward to help you breathe. And the mouth guards are really just protecting the teeth. They're two separate mechanisms of action.
0: Now, when we're talking about mouth guards and dental sleep appliances We're talking about grinding as a as a whole. Is that dealing when in your sleep state? Are we dealing with unresolved issues in your subconscious that you're kind of you know quote unquote no pun intended or pun intended grinding out?
1: I like that, that's a very good use of a pun. Um, I think that the common misconception is that grinding is stress-related, and yes, we do all have natural stressors, but not everybody grinds. So it's not an adequate answer, and then there are some people who experience stress but do not experience grinding. In that sense it would not be something that you you know you're you're grinding out a lot of your subconscious stresses what you're really doing is you're trying to shift your body is trying to keep you alive that's your body's number one goal the brain is like stay alive that's it so it's trying to move itself open that way you can get more of that air in because the airway is probably narrow or it's collapsing too much while you're sleeping
0: So I have to give a shout out to my niece, because the other day she said a dad joke for the first time. And so in her honor, I have to ask you about the brain and keeping you alive. So our own soundtrack is John Travolta and the movie Staying Alive. Is that the case?
1: (laughs) Yes, that is the absolute case. Um, When you think about a lot of brain function, we've got these different parts of the brain, but one that people like to talk about more commonly is that um, the fight or flight system, right? So everything that goes on with that fight or flight system is really just to keep you alive. Like, will you fight to live another day? Or are you going to flee to live another day? So yes, we're just trying to stay alive all the time.
0: Wow! <laughs> and thanks for keeping up with the humor. So I, you know, I do throw some dad jokes, even though this is a homie-related podcast. <laughs> 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 I do, and I, and I, and it, and a lot of it has. I mean, you've been very helpful for me, and and, and we're going to get into your background as well. I think some of the questions are, are not just for me. Like hopefully, that it, your answers have been helping those that are listening too, and so. I did want to ask, um, just backing up about our our, one of the first podcasts that we had for intrinsic motivation was there's no accidents, and everything happens for a reason. And so, uh, as a parent or a younger parent, your children were suffering from uh, sleep issues and breathing issues, but they were undiagnosed. So if you can kind of go through what was happening at that time that brought you to be the expert you are today.
1: Absolutely. Um, Okay, so I have four children, and they are, you know, wonderful, amazing kids, but just like other parents, I had so many other issues that, you know, we don't really talk about because as parents, When somebody asks how you're doing, nobody comes out and says, okay, well, I'm doing great, but my son is suffering with ADHD and behavioral impulses. My daughter is bedwetting every single night. She's about nine, and, you know, she has all these other sleep issues where she is snoring and she's sleepwalking and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then my other two are constantly on antibiotics, and they are going through these ear and throat infections, nobody's business all year round, everything is kind of crumbling as a parent. Nobody comes out with all of that because honestly, when you ask, how are you doing? Nobody wants to hear any of that. So the issue that really um, came up with me is that a lot of these things I would bring up to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician's like, oh, no, don't worry, the bedwetting, it'll stop on its, own. Oh, no, don't worry, the ADHD, you know, you can always put them on some medication, and that'll be fine. Oh, don't worry, ear and throat infections are common in children. Like, it doesn't matter that you've had that same prescription, you know, several times in the past six months these things were just kind of being dismissed as normal. And I get that many of these things sometimes do appear normal because it's common. But not everything that is common should be treated as normal because it took that one visit to the pediatric dentist where she started to see similarities in their mouths. And the similarities all were along the, the teeth where you could see that it was narrow arching, um, a high vaulted palate, and you have to know that the palate or the roof of your mouth is the floor of your nose. So if you have a narrow and a high palate, you most likely have an incredibly narrow nasal passage as well. So when you have all of these things and you're unable to adequately breathe, it's going to affect many different things. So my daughter with the sleep issues, it was affecting that. My daughters with the ear and throat infections, they were frequent mouth breathers because of the constant tonsils being enlarged and infected. The ears they couldn't drain properly because they weren't able to have a proper swallow, a proper peristaltic tongue swallow. Um, So they weren't able to clear the ears appropriately. Um, And then my son with the AC, incredibly overdiagnosed ADHD is. There are so many children who really have sleep apnea, but the issues that arise with sleep apnea and ADHD, they're very overlapping. So mm-hmm. a lot of those things all stemmed in their way and that everything is narrow and small and it was a, a blessing uh, absolutely everything happens for a reason like that was such a blessing because we were able to resolve so many things and get off of medications and all these other things that we had kind of standing in the way of us living a full happy healthy life
0: and I do want to stay there for one second could you trigger a homie so I want to give a shout out to the to little homies and the reason why I want to do that and I want to give a shout out to my friend Tricia too she's a, a, a a, a massage and a Pilates instructor, and uh, you know, like you years ago, her son was diagnosed with ADHD, and if the kid's out of private school. She's at her wit's end. The kid's gonna get kicked out of school, and at the time, it was suggested that uh, taking gluten out of the her child's diet. Once you did that, the behavioral issues went away, and then from uh, from the little homies uh, from right now, especially in 2020, we're talking about all the changes, we're talking um, about injustice, we're talking about disparity, income disparity, and what have you. And so we know that especially for the little homies, if they're diagnosed with that ADHD in elementary school, uh, school usually becomes a problem, they become disinterested in school. And we do know that the prison pipeline uh, states or we know that at fourth grade, if they're having problems in fourth grade, that their plant, they already have a cell planned for them. And so I wanted to ask you about diet as it relates to ADHD. And when you were talking about the overlap of sleep apnea and ADHD, it seems like there's a lot of triggers that we can do natural natural ADHD to man- manage and overcome that diagnosis.
1: Absolutely. So ADHD, we want to remember, is a psychological diagnosis. It's not something that can really be tested for, which makes it difficult to diagnose. And there's like a number of providers that are actually able to screen for and diagnose it. So it becomes something that is controversial just in its existence alone because there's no definitive way to prove ADHD. Um, So it has also multiple manifestations. But when I say that the breathing is one of the bigger ones because it does affect the children a lot with the sleep and the sleep apnea. So they have more overlapping symptoms than that and anything else. Now, I don't want to, uh, you know, pretend like it was just 100% breathing. It, it had other factors to it, too. Uh, that was just one of the larger ones is that you didn't have enough room in that airway. The diet is incredibly important as well. We live in a time where a lot of these children honestly are growing up and you find that everybody needs braces because we're eating a terrible diet full of a lot of processed foods, a lot of soft foods, and a lot of things that honestly these children are not meant to develop proper oral cavities by eating. So jaw stimulation is incredibly important, and that happens when the kids have actual food. But we have so many of these little squeeze pouches, and then we thrive on things that, you know, kids can't choke on, and it's very important that kids don't choke. However, it's very important also that they chew and that they use their jaws. So hard, crunchy foods that are natural, like raw carrots, like celery, um, eating nuts, those things are really important for stimulating jaw development. When it comes to eliminating inflammation, eliminating dairy out of a diet, eliminating wheat, and in some instances, corn even can be one of those aggravators of inflammation with the soft tissues in the oral cavity. So these things will definitely, if they're eliminated out of your diet, will definitely help you with better breathing and honestly, you know, you'll have better body weight, you're be able to be more active and mentally stimulated if you're having more natural foods that aren't processed and that require a lot of chewing because you're using all of those muscles appropriately
0: so when I first asked the question I was standing up but as you were giving the answer I had to sit down because my head started spinning for all of my confusion because <laughs> I just I just knew having a diet heavy in sugar and salt was the way to go. And you are telling me that is not for stimulating the jaw development. Is that true? No. Yeah, absolutely not <laughs> sugar <and
1: salt>. No. <laughs> a lot of natural <laughs> foods, we definitely love chewing. You know, chewing is, is, is critical in craniofacial development.
0: Well, let me ask you this, too. I mean, obviously, you know, we're kind of playing around with this, but – I want to get your take on this is an asterisk, a societal question. Where, when 2020, I mean, there's been a lot since the ball dropped, to be honest, from New Year's Eve. But I guess the major one is the global pandemic. And so, when people were running to the supermarkets, of course, toilet paper was missing. But a lot of junk food was missing, and the fruit aisle was full, and so was the vitamin aisle. So what does that say? I guess, you know, again, that's where that K is in the clouds because the majority, right? We uh, Our diet and the, our way of life is that sugar and salt, and those are comfort foods, but it's not helping us overall.
1: Yeah, it's not helping at all. It's It's a very sad state that we're in that, you know, you couldn't get toilet paper, but You also couldn't find Cheetos. However, if you needed to get those raw carrots and so forth, you you could find those in abundance. Um, These are the things that are really going to help overall. And I think, you know, most people know that. Most people understand a healthy diet, what a healthy diet looks like and is. I think the resistance is in that, you know, sugar is tasty. It's so delicious. It's like a drug. You know, it's hard to quit. Very, very hard to quit, so it 's really a matter of you know putting that mind over matter where you you just acknowledge the fact that you know whatever you put into your body is what you 're going to get out of it
0: Yes, and I, I do want to go back in, in time a little bit, so if you could put your time machine seatbelt on because uh, we don 't usually talk about politics, but uh, there was a co- a popular conversation with a presidential candidate and he was on The Breakfast Club, and they were talking about the disparity of uh, people of color or black people and people of color um, being more so affected to what's happening with the pandemic. And from the time machine standpoint, back in May, you were writing about the, on Airways Matters blog, you were talking about the growing disparity and poor affordability in airway. And that was another trigger for me as I was preparing for the podcast, because of this pandemic, it's dealing with a lot of airway issues, people can't breathe, in addition to, you know, not being able to smell or touch or or taste rather. So I wanted you to talk about the growing disparity and poor affordability in airway. And what was the uh, reason for writing that blog post?
1: So I think that the Growing disparity is honestly everywhere in healthcare. However, with airway, which is my, you know, main focus, I may have said the word like a thousand times already today. Um, the main the problem with airway is that airway has become something that is so un—it's not as popular yet as many people, um, you know, that need it should know about it. So what's the problem here is that where we're seeing people who are really getting this treated, where you're getting your airways actually expanded, you know, you're getting mandibular advancement, you're able to get a full night of sleep without a CPAP because you've gotten things manipulated within the oral cavity. That way your airway is larger just through dental expansion and so forth. I think the problem is that when you see a lot of this is in, communities where minorities are not present, and a lot of it becomes a fee-for-service situation, and honestly, most minority families are, one, at a disadvantage um, economically. It's not a, you know, painting a broad picture. It is, you know, in general, overall, based on statistics. We are not in the same places financially, and so what happens is with the minorities is that if it's not covered by insurance, they, they don't want to do it, and the problem is that, you know, there's nothing to accommodate that. There's no in-between. There's no, okay, you can't pay for it, and so you can see so-and-so who will work with state insurance or at a lower rate. It's just not happening in airway. In airway, there are no alternative options where you can see someone who is affordable. So that really affects the minority community. Um, And it's quite sad to be a minority in the airway um, professional world. And I don't see as many minority clients. I don't see other professionals have as many cases with minority clients. It's where we are not as educated on the topics because we're just not around the information. So it's incredibly gapping and gaping the disparity year after year after year as more providers get into it. But these are providers who are not in areas that will be serving minorities, predominantly.
0: One of the good things about 2020, and this is a perception of intrinsic motivation, but is uh, there's so much coming to light that was hidden uh, in the national or I guess the global media landscape, right? We're learning about all these, uh, you know, shocking things in the news. And one thing that stands out to me was uh, a Bill Marshall a couple of months ago, and he was interviewing uh, uh, Al Gore. And in the interview, they were talking about voter suppression and all that. But the other thing that really stuck out, as it relates to this conversation, he was talking about how for generations, corporations were giving like uh, write-offs from the state or what have you, um, for their factories, and their factories were put placed in locations where the down current was affecting these minority communities. So that's why in some of those areas you do have the asthma, high rate, uh, rates of asthma, what have you. And, I mean, that was shocking. I'm surprised that didn't really take off uh, of people biting on that. But when you say from an education standpoint, I think that would contribute to it as well, right, because you're not breathing the in those areas, the, they're not breathing the same oxygen as in the north side of the, of the city. Would you Would you confirm that or would you – Is that in the right line of thinking?
1: That is 100% in the right line of thinking. It's a completely different air quality, which is going to impact you know how the body's going to function you're you're pretty much functioning in hypoxia when you're in those areas with poor air quality because you're not getting as much quality oxygen in the body you're not going to be able to oxygenate all of those cells properly it's going to affect not just respiration with asthma but then you'll find other things happen in those communities too where there are higher rates of diabetes higher rates of heart disease higher rates of you know brain especially brain tumors and dysfunction. It's a very sad situation, but hypoxia is a, a major role player because if we don't have oxygen in every single one of these cells, we're not going to function the same and it's going to make All of these organs and functions deteriorate slowly over time, and that's why we're not getting as much of a a increase in our length of time that we're able to live, like our our life expectancy rates.
0: Hmm. Hmm. And that makes me wow, because uh, that's another thing from 2020 again in dealing with uh, this national or global issues that we're having. And that is with the uh, ventilators right, the people aren't breathing, and they have to artificially get oxygen to those lungs. And it's, it's there now that's more of a re not reaction, but a response to what's happening globally. But are there exercises that we can do on our own, that would, you know, help us along? I mean, obviously, you need to see a doctor if you feel something's major. So I'll definitely say that. Um, but in, in that growing disparity article that you mentioned in this in particular in 2018 about this woman in Boston who had an issue and people were trying to get her help and she did she fought against the help because she didn't she couldn't afford the ambulance right and so in 2020 they also we're also seeing that instead of going to the hospital people are dying at home because they don't have insurance and we were talking about one community but you know, because of the pandemic, there's record numbers of people not only losing their jobs, but their jobs are usually tied to insurance, so they don't—they no longer have insurance. So, the second wave's not even here, but it seems like there could be some way by working with you and learning more about myofunctional therapy to uh, be more preventive.
1: Absolutely. There are plenty of exercises. Breathwork is a wonderful modality um, in order to get you to facilitate better breathing and to grow your lung capacity. Your overall health and wellness is going to be improved by changing the way that you breathe. There are various exercises. The one thing that I would recommend most, especially for people who are, you know, financially conscious and are really in a position where you have to choose between your health or your finances, which is a terrible place to be in, Um, if you cannot afford to get help, and help is the number one way, if you start to get help, I would deeply invest into conscious breathing, being aware of your breath, how shallow is it, how many breaths do you take in a minute. Are you able to breathe and fully engage your diaphragm when you're breathing? Is it your chest or is it your belly that is rising and falling? You want to be aware of this. You want to try to take control of your breath and be able to really... Almost meditate on it. Now, that doesn't mean you have to sit down and quiet and calm and, you know, engage like a, a full yogi or a monk, but you should be able to be aware of your breath. Can you hear it? Audible breathing, there's always a sign of a problem. You don't want to be able to hear your breath. It should be silent. If you're hearing your breath, are you able to slow it down just a little bit, take deeper breaths? and engage that diaphragm more, are you still hearing your breathing? Because if you're hearing your breathing at that point, then you definitely need to see an ENT or some other medical professional who can evaluate the size of your airway because then that might be the next issue because anytime we're hearing the breathing, it's a sign that there's air resisting, there's soft tissues, as the air is passing through those soft tissues, air is hitting resistance, and so that's what you're hearing as you're breathing, and we don't want that. So conscious breathing, being aware of your breath, and trying to see if you can take more shallow, more deep and more, um, you know, meaningful breath. You want to slow it down and be able to really process it.
0: And earlier, we were, you know, we were talking about sugar and salt. And so, one negative effect to the body is mucus and from that diet, right? And so, is that increasing? Can you really have that conscious breathing? Or during your conscious breathing, are you able to determine, hey, you know, I'm, I'm having these blockages via, you know, shallow breathing or mucus? Is there a tie-in to that diet as it relates to your breathing patterns?
1: Absolutely. So when I talk about hearing your breathing, I don't mean about hearing, you know, the the fluids in your voice. So there are some people who have like very nasally voices and you can hear it almost sounds like there's the blockages in there, that there is mucus lining those airways. If you have breathing that is causing you a lot of Um, phlegm, where you're feeling a lot of that post-nasal drip, if you're having a lot of that, it's time to, one, change your diet. That's when it's time to eliminate some of those major inflammatory and mucous-producing foods you want to get rid of the wheat, you want to get rid of the the sugars and the dairy, you want to eliminate that out of your diet, or at least reduce it substantially. Um, And you don't want to be able to hear that fluid moving as your breath is moving you've got to be able to have a quiet breath
0: now taking that time also uh, i'm a big movie buff and watching movies at the beginning at least (laughs) pre-2020 and you're watching the, the the trailers they would say silence is golden and right now a lot of people are not sleeping well, they're they're burned out, they're not meeting their goals, because the TV's on all the time, because you want to be up to date with what's happening in the news. But is that affecting your conscious breathing also because you're not allowing uh, 10 minutes a day to experience the quiet or the silence?
1: Yes, silence is golden. Um, it is important to be able to take a break because it's not good for our mental states as well as our health and our breathing um, to be constantly exposed to a lot of the information that's out there on the news. You've got to remember that the news is a business in and of itself, right? So their main goal is to keep people watching. So... Not everything there is meant to empower you, make you feel better, make you feel, you know, good about yourself and life in general. And it's definitely not all there just to inform. They're, they're there for a job. They have a reason to be there and to be doing what they're doing. So sometimes turning that off is good for your own mental health, too. To step away from that helps significantly, being able to step away from it and focus on your breathing and do some sort of meditation can actually increase the serotonin in your body and keep you in a better mental state than if you were to just keep that on and to just focus on that all the time. There's so much going on in the world. And I know that especially with minorities, it's become something where we're, we're in a state of post-traumatic stress because of the influx of the negative inflammation and the negative images and videos and off oh, those videos. Those are the worst part of it. Being able to rewatch you know, someone's murder is a terrible thing. Um, these things impact your mental health to such a degree that we do need to step away from it if we're going to be able to overcome these things and effectively fight against them for justice and equality. We've got to be able to step away from it at some moments in time to just process ourselves and our, our mental well-being so that we can come back to it and keep the fight going.
0: Sure. And and part of, uh, I guess, the good and bad in that of what you're saying is that phenomena is primarily here in the United States. And so some of the listeners that that email me and are talking, hey, <laughs> we don't have half of those issues, like what you're talking about with if it bleeds, it leads, like that doesn't happen overseas uh, as to as to the degree or the magnitude that it happens here, which leads me to my next question, it's going to be a US centered uh, question, because I have to give a shout out to those in the UK uh because they are actually in a class action lawsuit with uh these tech companies. I don't want to call them out. <laughs> uh but you can understand it's part of the alpha well, <laughs> their name is the alphabet. So I guess you can put that together. But over there, um they bought Fitbit, right? And so since a lot of people are tracking for their to be preventive in their health and all, uh in the UK they're in that class action suit because uh this large techno technology company could use that information and sell it to, to advertisers, right? And I'm an advertiser. So um, I'm not a bad person, I don't think or at least my friends don't think I'm bad. But outside of that, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Outside of that, that's outside of privacy issues, I guess is what I'm getting at from an American standpoint. I love gadgets, right? So how important is it or how effective are those sleeping apps that measure your sleep? And it tells you your health, how long you've been snoring that night, um, so you can actually track, oh, okay, well, I did have that pizza before I went to bed, or are, are they as effective as they're marketed to be?
1: So, no, the short answer is no, they're not as effective as they're market, because they're measuring only from one set of perspectives. Now, if you go in and not, I know you've already done this, because you have a CPAP. In for a sleep study they measure all sorts of perspectives so they're measuring brain waves they're measuring heart rate they're measuring a lot with the body as far as movement and then they're definitely l- listening for sound as you're sleeping and so forth so they've got a variance of things that they're looking for and so they're able to more accurately track exactly what's going on sometimes when you're wearing the fitbits or the apple watches or Those sorts of technology, what's happening is is that it's measuring during your heart rate, but there's different things that change with your heart rate, so different things that can impact your heart rate. And so it might seem like you're in a lighter stage of sleep when you're just relaxing, watching TV, and you're not actually sleeping yet. Um, It might seem like you are, you know, awake if you are in that light stage one transitory period of sleep. Um, It's not going to fully and accurately get your sleep stages however it is a great screening tool so if you see that you're not cycling through your sleep stages appropriately like you're spending a longer period of time
0: in light
1: sleep and like a very small small window of time in deep sleep that would be something that could indicate to you okay this doesn't look right it's happening every night and I don't feel well rested when I wake up it's time for me to go seek help that would be a great way to for it? Is it an effective way to, you know, determine it 100%? Absolutely not.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I guess the second part of that question is, I'm very happy that I know my name, my rank, and my serial number if I get captured behind enemy, enemy lines. And I want to know how important it is, because uh, I, I did learn that uh, if you are using those apps, and you have that phone by your bed and you won't remember your name rank and serial number because those that radiation is just eating away at your brain so how much is that a, is myth and is it important to if you are playing with those apps or using that as screening to turn at least turn your phone to uh, what is it the airplane mode so it's not eating at your brain
1: I love airplane mode. Um, The phones and technology, it's just another one of those things that have evolved over time. So like, you know, where I spoke earlier about how everybody needs braces now, but like that wasn't the case in the past because they were eating more wholesome foods. A lot has changed as well with technology where now, you know, five and six-year-olds have their own cell phones and Mm-hmm. Now that everybody's home, a lot more technology has been introduced in the lives of these children. So I'm sure we'll see the long term effects of that as we go on. But there is a lot going on with radiation and these technologies, especially if you think about before you get to the technology itself, the fact that all of these homes have Wi Fi. So there's Wi Fi radiating throughout your phone, mm-hmm. your home, so that it can constantly contact and communicate with the average six devices that everybody has in their household Mm. so if you think about it we all have smart tvs you know a lot of people have alexa or google in their home or they have laptops and there's a cell phone or there's a, a tablet there's all these devices and if you think that you know you are protected from it by just one end with airplane mode it's not enough Um, you can always put your wi-fi off at night if that's something that you know you feel safe and comfortable to do if you don't have busy important work um, that you need to address in the middle of the night then that's something that's a great idea to do airplane mode is Fantastic. You might want to actually hardwire a lot of things in the house if that's possible too. So instead of having the Wi-Fi, you could actually hardwire various things like the smart TVs and you know the the computers that are in the home instead of having the Wi-Fi on all the time for those major things that you're that you're running. That way, it's limiting a little bit of that radiation. But I would absolutely say that if you do nothing else, definitely load. there are three things that you on your cell phone at any given time, you can have your cellular data on, you can have your Wi-Fi on, and you can have your Bluetooth. If you're not using one of those three, turn them off uh, and eliminate by up to 30, 60% of the radiation coming out of your phone if you just turn off to the cellular data. Just use the Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi continues to radiate. However, you've the phone searching for that Bluetooth not radio, and you reduce it looks a cellular power as well. So you're reducing it. So I would say reduce the key, but it's almost impossible nowadays to like completely eliminate.
0: Sure. You're breaking up just a little bit. So if the Wi Fi is on, turn that, turn that off and that'll put your buffering <laughs> out. <laughs> so so I mean, thanks, thanks for that. Because I, I think what we're what I as I understand what you just said earlier, we were talking about diet with food, I mean, with natural foods, and, and limiting that sugar and salt, but also having a diet, exercising that diet uh, from technology, right? Because if your body's being bombarded, all these on all these uh, fronts, you know, it is affecting you negatively. Uh, and we've we've talked a lot about adults, but you've also been able to uh, work with new moms and in, in talking about tongue tie or what's the truth behind the tongue tie fad and and uh, could you give us some more detail about that because that's way out of my wheelhouse.
1: <laughs> tongue ties have become much more uh, acknowledged now than ever before. Now tongue ties have always been something that's been treated for since the beginning of time. People who are unable to lift or extend their tongue appropriately Mm -hmm. usually have a tight bit of tissue, that frenum, that is attaching the floor of the mouth to the floor of or the base of the tongue. That sometimes is sort of restrictive. What people are becoming aware of is that it creates problems in the long term with growth, development, breathing And in babies, the first signs and symptoms are usually breastfeeding problems. So a lot of mothers now are releasing the tongue ties for the babies. Now, what's becoming the major talking point is whether or not it's a necessary procedure or unnecessary procedure. What I can tell you is that there are many ways of looking at that. So if you are able to, and if you are financially able to, because it's not always financially, you know, responsible for every person to go through this process, you can eliminate all other sources of breastfeeding difficulties by going and seeing various specialists. You can go see a feeding specialist. You can see a lactation consultant. You can make sure that nothing's going on with the baby as far as plagiocephaly plagiocephaly or torticollis, you can make sure that all of those things have been eliminated by going to see a great, well-rounded group of healthcare professionals who are going to evaluate for all of the things that can create breastfeeding issues. However, with the tongue tie, what you can do is you can eliminate that first, and then you can for the other things after or in conjunction you can treat everything together because the tongue needs to have a full range of motion in order for us to breathe properly in order for us to swallow properly and digest properly because digestion starts in the mouth it doesn't start in the throat it doesn't start in the stomach it's digestion starts right in the mouth with saliva so our swallow is impacted it's a problem um, and speech big thing as well now it may not affect all of those things it might affect all of those things it might affect only one of those things the way to know that is very detailed and it requires a, an extensive amount of you know resources to be able to see all of these specialists who would treat all of those things to be able to rule out those problems so many times the tongue tie is something that. You can eliminate in a quick, simple procedure. It does require a lot of care in order to get proper healing. So while the procedure might take maybe a minute or two to release that tongue and to eliminate that tight restrictive frenum, it is something that does require work on the back end of it. So sometimes it can be quite a complex process, but it is something that can be helpful, especially for those with limited resources to be able to get to the root of the problem without seeing a significant amount of providers.
0: No, and thanks for the clarification uh, for that, because I didn't think when we started the podcast, we were talking about relationships. But for guys that scared to talk to girls, they didn't know it was a health issue that they were tongue tied. And it had nothing to do. <laughs> <Okay>.
1: <laughs> right. I love the dad jokes. This is Great. They were all sorts of things, right?
0: <laughs> I'm putting on my Mr. Roger sweater as we speak right now. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you if you could gather right like so for for let's just you I'll use I'll be the guinea pig. So I've done everything from the sleep studies, the CPAP, the, the mouth guards and all this, and I'm still at my wit's end. So I I find I want to know more about myofunctional therapy and I, I call out and I see the big K in the clouds and I go see you by using Google Maps so I can get there correctly. And go take me through a consultation of when they when someone seeks your expertise
1: wonderful so first thing I want to know is a full you know history as you can pin it back to as far back as you can pin it back to what's been going on with your airway have you had any issues with breastfeeding that you know of did you have any issues with your breathing as a child were you struggling as a child did you do a lot of mouth breathing did you have asthma was it just sports induced asthma because that's important too um, was it seasonal did you have a lot of allergies did you ever have any surgeries was it a situation where you had a lot of ear and throat infections so you had ear tubes or you had your tonsils and adenoids taken out these things all impact, everything compounds on itself, right? So when you start and you're young and you're a child and you're struggling and you have issues then, it's all going to start to impact and compound as you're getting older and older and older. Usually I'd want to know where everything started from where, and then where you are now. Like where did you get to at this point now? And then what's been your – journey as you're on your way here. How many times did you have braces? Did you ever have braces? There are many people who have a lot of these struggles with these respiratory issues that have had braces two, three, four times that they've gone Mm -hmm. through with braces and things are always shifting back and, you know, they're always having issues with asthma and allergies and so forth. And so what's been your journey? What have you gone on and tried CPAP, for as wonderful as it is, you'd be surprised that it has a very low tolerance of um, acceptance. So many people will just forego the whole thing. They're just like, I just can't, I can't sleep with this thing. It's very difficult. It makes it harder for me to sleep. That intolerance of the CPAP is actually another issue and sign that we need to work with a myofunctional therapist or some other sort of respiratory professional be able to work on the muscle resting posture and establishing good nasal breathing, whether it's through nasal hygiene or better nasal habits, and how we're going to establish, you know, proper resting posture when we're sleeping, so that we can get fuller, better breaths, and then tolerate the CPAP and be able to have it work effectively to keep open that airway. That way, you can get that those breaths in. So a lot of times, I. The consultation is a lot of me gathering, most of that information, and then figuring out what we can do or if I'm the right professional for you to help you establish better breathing habits.
0: And in before, of course, I did the dad joke about the whole dating. But I, I do want to bring up the topic of relationships because in the past, and again, this is US focused, I don't usually hear this outside the country. But in the US, we have our own silos, right? So if this is my specialty, this is all I focus on. And before there used to be, it seems there used to be a greater relationship of handoffs, right? Like, so this is how we work together. If you have a CPAP machine, in your case, oh, you might want to get some myofunctional therapy. So is that is it still in your world more silo based? where you're not talking with other industries and if that is the case how can it be rectified
1: we definitely do communicate very well it's a very multidisciplinary myofunctional therapy so we do communicate and we do work with other professionals Um, you know it's not you know one or another type of thing where if you do have a you may need myofunctional therapy you may not if you have acnea you may need myofunctional therapy, you may not. Um, it's something that is working with other professionals, but not essentially uh, strictly bound together. There are many, it's very multifactorial, um, especially because everybody has different ways that they're using their muscles in their mouth and their oral cavity and their face. So when we have a lot of compensatory patterns or patterns that are compensating for improper movement, that's when you find the need for myofunctional therapy the greatest. These are things that I see easily, but that other professionals might not, including the physicians or the dentists or so forth that are referring to me. They might not usually see these compensatory patterns that I would see. So it's um, it's definitely not a hundred percent, you know, uh, a silo. It's not all you know singular and based in and of itself.
0: Gotcha. And so you're also an accomplished author, pun intended, because the name of your book, your latest <laughs> book, is accomplished. And I want to know, like uh, the biggie verse, like I'm only, I'm not only the client, I'm the president so is accomplished based off of your life and how you dealt with it or because your kids couldn't sleep. And you were able to write your book in the middle of the night. So if you could tell us a little bit about Accomplished.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love Accomplished. Accomplished is my fifth child, my baby. Um, Accomplished is really based off of, one, my journey with my children, then my journey with my clients, because I've seen so many people and so many different variances of results, and then how we put all of that together to really get to all of these big three goals because the big three goals that I have with every client is that, one, I want them to sleep better. Two, I want them to not feel burnout when they're waking up in the morning um, or at any point during the day, honestly. You shouldn't be feeling burnout. You should be resting appropriately. That way you can get through that whole day. And then definitely I want you to be more productive. You should be executing goals like, you know, it's nobody's business. So how do we get to all of those points? And it's really the full detailing of my process, my experience with my children, yes, but my process with even my clients now in my program. How do we get to better goal, goal executing and eliminating burnout? How do we get to this? So it's very detailed. I love it. It's, it's my C and it has, my heart, my soul, in it. And pretty much all of my professional knowledge is in that book.
0: hmm And I know that you don't. We don't have to be local to read your book, but to get a consultation and to work with you—is that something that can be done virtually as well?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Not much virtually. I work with clients all over the world, and you know, COVID really brought a lot of things that were only in person. To be now a lot more virtual. I clients virtual prior to COVID, but I think now people are more willing to see people over the internet now because it's just become commonplace. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I do free consultations. You can schedule it on my website and add in to how we can help you better and speak better.
0: Yeah, the last part that you're talking about, I don't know if you're moving around or not, but it was it was truncated. So I don't think you left your site, but if you can leave uh, where they can find your book, um, and you you have multiple sites, so they'll follow your blog because uh, I think a lot of it is is raising awareness. Uh, they may people that come across your site they may have been looking for years, or it's not. Um, out there like it's not part of the mainstream and as you mentioned as a complementary therapy it could help more people if they only knew about it so if you can talk about where they can actually pick up your book and your sites and your blog so they can get in touch with you directly that'd be great
1: absolutely so the website where you can contact me and find out more about myofunctional therapy is the so that's T H E M Y O S. Dot.com. If you're looking to read more blogs and detailed information about myofunctional therapy, about different ways that you can, you know, identify or see or understand tongue ties, you can go to blog. So that's A-I-R-W-A-Y-M-A-T-T-E-R-S dot B-L-O-G dot blog. So airwaymatters.blog is a separate site where it has load of information about all sorts of things, whether you're an adult, whether you're a child, whether it's sleep apnea or it's a tongue tie, you're going to find a wealth of information there. The um, last place I want to share with you is just Amazon. Everybody's on Amazon. So Amazon is where you can get accomplished. Accomplished is a total wells of all my information if you're looking for something that's a bit deeper than the blog accomplished the book is available on amazon um the Kindle version is still only about a dollar i believe so pick that up um amazon i don't think i need to spell for anybody but accomplished the book is called how to sleep better eliminate burnout and execute goals just search for it directly and it'll pop right up
0: awesome awesome it was definitely a pleasure and you have just been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza and Carice. I definitely learned a lot. Thanks for be- humoring us with all dad jokes. And it was an overall pleasure. Let's stay in touch.
1: Thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me.
0: Thank you.